This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Welcome back to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I'm Inquisitor Temperance Price, Keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is the third volume in a report on the Valentine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Tom McGee and players Ryan Laplante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt as Atticus Viz, Laura Hamstra as Eli Sharp, and Della Borovic as Morgan Rawls. My report shows that the Inquisitorial Band has begun formulating new plans. Morgan and Eli convinced Lizzo Lizardman that Morgan was having a secret affair with Sakata Voidstain, while Valentine and Atticus hired a party planner and plotted to use the Bolensong estate as a dowry. Can these separate parties survive assassinations and intrigue without each other's support? Find out next in this episode of the Valentine Heresy. Overheard at the palace. A, a call from Van Houten? <laughs> this ought to be good. Atticus, you have just been connected to the palace uh, and uh, through to the king, who has seen fit to answer your call. Wow. Uh, he is, at this point, in a still wearing his hunting gear, but sitting in one of those like massive over-back chairs that uh, Dell was talking to him in earlier as Morgan. And, uh, you know, he's got the collar undone now. Uh, he's He seems to have sobered up a little bit. Uh, you see King Frederick just flipping through a, a data slate in one hand, uh, sort of with his thumb, and the, the call connects. And you kind of get the grainy image of him on the other end. And he says, Lord Van Houten, my favorite weapon smuggler, greetings. What can I do for you? Good evening, your majesty. Uh, it occurred to me that uh, I could uh, be of special service to you uh, in the executing of the assassins that were uncovered by myself and my team uh, at today's hunt. Right, that was you. You, yeah, you, uh, you gave some of my guards shit, huh? For taking your trophy away? Yes, that's right, sir. I, uh, 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 the trophy that I provided from the hunt, the the assassins that I found, I was quite keen to uh, follow up and continue to be involved with their interrogation. Uh, just like your royal guards, I am at your disposal, your majesty. Oh, I appreciate that. And look, I just want to say, no, no hard feelings on all of that. I already had the guy whipped who was a dick to you. Uh, I understand separating someone from their trophy after a hunt is a difficult thing. Of course, you understand the delicate situation I'm in. So kind of had to take him the trophies. Trophies, he puts big air quotes around them, away from yeah. you. Uh, but um, we've had quite a good chat, and I, I'll be happy to send uh, what's left of the first one back to you if you want to. I don't know. I don't know what you do with various parts of a body, but. You know, well, we, we got them bagged up for you, so that's good. We're working on the other one right now. They're, uh, I tell you, they're singing like a canary. But you said you might be of some assistance. Now, 
I appreciate that you've got a giant metal squishing arm or punching arm or I don't know, chopping arm if, if you're going going for slappers only, I guess, over there. But I got plenty of torture masters over here. So I don't really know what service you can offer me here. But it touches my heart that you want to get your hands dirty. I got to say, most of these clowns, they talk a big game. But when push comes to shove, they don't want to see blood anywhere, <laughs> you know, which makes them incredibly weak. Very easy to rule, to be honest. So what what are you what are you offering here? What, what do you think I don't already have? I thought it would be uh, uh, entertaining and uh, a bit of spectacle uh, to introduce uh, a, sm- a modicum of sport to the execution of any remaining uh, enemies of the crown. Uh, we do have a garden maze out back of the Balinsong estate here, Your Majesty, and we thought it might be uh, a bit of fun to uh, release them into it so that Your Majesty might hunt them as a bit of spectacle and sport for this evening's, uh, well, perhaps tomorrow evening's frivolities as the party tonight has been cancelled. Oh, it's taking the place of, oh, I see. So you want to you wanna do this at your party tomorrow. So I'm I doing a, be... we're doing a, an execution thing tonight. Don't, don't you, don't you worry your pretty little head about that. I got, I got a lot of people to kill tonight. Well, then I would be honored to host said execution oh, in no, our that's... back gardens here. <sighs> okay. All right. Take, take a step down there, my lord. Uh, I appreciate you trying to be helpful, and I know you're not from here in a long time, but let 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 the royal house do what the royal house does. But in terms of the, the offer to hunt one of your trophies in the maze tomorrow, maybe the ringleader of this minor rebellion, well, that sounds, that sounds mighty interesting. So sure, put me down for one maze hunt tomorrow. That sounds great. And... You know, because you've just been so fucking helpful tonight, uh, I will be happy to give you a seat of honor next to the Duke so you two can talk about whatever, you know, young love wants to discuss while I chop the head off this burgeoning rebellion. Sound good? That would be uh, extremely generous and kind of you, Your Majesty. Uh, You mentioned they were singing like canaries. You already have the name and location then of the leader of this rebellion. Leaders, my friend. Leaders, Leaders. I see. It would seem that I have gotten a little too light with the axe of late. So, just going to make up for lost time. Besides, all the cool kids are doing it, am I right? Okay, listen, I got to get back to figuring some shit out on my side. I I got a space marine at my door. So, listen, you, uh, you you just, you put on your nicest whatever the fuck. And we'll see you. We'll see you at the execution. All right, we're gonna we're gonna put on a, spe- a huge spectacle, and I'm 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 gonna say some apologies to the noble houses for, for all this fuckery. It's really false to the king and, and the discipline of a nation. You know when you let dissent grow and people have differing opinions and you just let them talk. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Right. So yeah. it's good. We'll we'll bathe in the blood of our foes together. And, you know, I'll hunt tomorrow from the bottom of my hunter's heart sounds sounds excellent. So thank you very much, uh, Lord Van Houten. Uh, also, I understand that uh, there were some weapons found in your carriage that hasn't been forgotten. Uh, I hope you understand why I forced you to go over to Balance Song there. Rest assured, you'll have your decrepit estate back as soon as my teams are done sweeping it. I don't hold a grudge about it, but kind of sucks, you know? So, yes, I'm also looking forward to getting to the bottom of that. I'll raise my power fist and say, uh, uh, 
weapons are are not really my concern. No, no, because uh, you got that big fuck you fist. Yeah, that is interesting. As it uh, as it stands, Your Majesty, uh, if there is any, uh, if you wish to have any assistance uh, in stamping out said uh, dissension. Oh, hang on, Space Marines here, and he just kills the call. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, and Atticus, kind of not knowing how this shit works, uh, is not sure if he did good or not. Uh, and so he'll just mutter to himself, just shit, and uh, go find a rattling. So, Valentine, you wanted to reach out to Forrest Ballard immediately. What kind of message were you sending? He would just send it in writing. Uh, just say, I've prepared a report on the subjects of your interest. I'm available to present it at your convenience. Okay, great. So as that message would have gone through rather quickly, so I think timeline-wise, we can say Atticus goes to call the king. You go to send the message. Message is received by Forrest Pollard, who is telling the king, I need to go over to Balansong right fucking now. Um, So he is on his way. Uh, Forgive me, you had four specific tasks you wanted to go about. Um, Mm. You set Atticus to the party. Yep. And to talking to the king. You have to report to Forrest. What's the other one? Uh, Hugh Smiggleton was just pricing out the estate uh, with Terseus to prep for our big dowry party. Okay. Make it look fancy. So given that I don't really want to do a bunch of roles for NPCs, let's do one from your stats with assistance from them for the pricing out. And what we're basically seeing here is how accurately are they able to price out the estate. The interesting thing being Balansong is like an old money, well-established family on the planet. Hugh Spingleton was an assistant level clerk. So he knows it's worth a lot, but it will be interesting to see if he actually can ascertain the value of old things. Newer things, probably very easily tell you, but, you know, five generations ago, my great-great-grandpappy found this brass bed somewhere. It's like, what the fuck is that even worth? So let's go ahead with, I believe this is probably streetwise to be honest or negotiation i would take either either one now we'll go streetwise that feels right sure okay so i'm gonna say difficulty of three just for the speed he can look stuff up but there's a lot and it's it's quick you get a a boost for hugh smiggleton just being a, a clerk of of the world he's he's decent at this I'll give you another boost for the fact that Birno's on site because as a party planner and entertainer, he's probably seen some rich shit and likely, even if he's not directly involved, could be called one to be like, hey, what do you think this is worth? Be like, I saw one of those at a party once. It was worth blah. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you a setback, Valentine, for not actually understanding the financial value of anything because as someone who has only ever existed within imperial systems oh yeah i don't care you don't know the price of milk uh milk just arrives <laughs> if there's milk to be had it's the will of the emperor that's for if the it was agri- weaponry or other astro militarum ingredient like he has enough knowledge of the department of munitorum to do that but yeah sure. this shit oh who fucking cares it's yep. a big house whatever and <laughs> yes on that note a one for the size of the house <laughs> just a lot of a lot of space to cover setback okay anything else you want to make a case for uh knowing that valentine isn't fully engaged in this as well so it's not like uh, the only other thing i would throw it is maybe a boost for terseus just because his level of organization of tracking would probably be sure more yeah by that yep yep that makes sense great let's see what happens 
Four successes and one advantage on a die pool that was kind of 50-50. Turns out Hugh Spangleton watches a lot of Antiques Roadshow. Mm. <laughs> a lot of Greybridge Pawn Stars. He really has a good sense of, of the cost of these sorts of things. I think also the serving staff, with that many successes, the serving staff at Boundsong Manor are able to help. Again, you've got kind of friendly relationships with them. So easy enough to be like... Oh, well, I remember hearing from some servant that this was bought for blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the, the head servant is smart enough to just go pull the insurance policy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hugh comes back being like, I've priced it out. It's terribly priced. And she's like, how about this? It's like, oh, that one's fine. So, yeah, you get a very, very clear sense of, of the value. And it is a lot. Let alone, as you're looking through the insurance papers for your, your dowry play, um, all of the ship writing. Like all of the shipwriting industry is tied into the estate. So it's like you're you've got the value of this mansion, which is tremendous, but you also have shipyards. Like there's a full industry under your thumb now that is tremendously right. financially viable and perhaps an even greater prize than just the mansion, which is do you want because as we've established, the big families all kind of have one corner of the world carved out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a very, very attractive prospect all around. And cool. with the advantage, I guess, just pa- we'll pass a... Unless you have something you want to spend it on, we'll just say pass No, I'm happy with that. Forward. Just get pass forward. Sure. Great. So Hugh comes back and says, uh, well, so I think I, th- I think we've, we've got a rather accurate between the insurance papers and my guesses and Triseus's help. Uh, it would seem we've got a, a rather decent look. The house is worth quite a bit, as, of course, are the shipbuilding industries and the shipwriting. I do believe this is a very attractive prospect. Now, I understand you want the the nobles to walk through and guess the prices. Do you want the prices to be under things, like a cool reveal? I've watched a lot of... Um, we, we have a, a road show that goes around and assesses antiques here that you can go to in the town square. And that's how they sometimes do it. They put a price tag under it and say, it's actually worth this. And everyone goes, ooh. So you're looking for an ooh or more, mm-hmm. more so just an appraiser to say, you're wrong or you're right. I do love an ooh. So if you could coordinate with Birano to make that happen, at least for some select items, that would be great. Yes, yes. The, the biggest ticket items. That is, that is a, a very smart plan. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you. And he'll... And he, he goes to leave, then he kind of turns on his heel and says, um, a question for you, though, perhaps, since our Lord isn't present. How does he feel about giving away such extraordinary wealth? The concept of dowries has always been a, a rather important one here in the society, and I simply wonder, for, for one such as Lord Van Houten, who is trying to reestablish oneself... It seems an awful lot to give away. Are you certain he will be all right with this? Will this not affect his standing in the society to show his hand this much, to let everyone know exactly how much he's worth? These are time-honored secrets. There are risks and there are gains. How much he's worth before he is married to Duke Wickstrop does not matter if he becomes married to Duke Wickstrop. Then he owns the planet. So this is a calculated gamble. If he were to just claim this wealth as his own, it would also not show a commitment to the royal family. This allows him to do both. The fact that it's a dowry will also help him, undoubtedly, in that should the royal family move to a different suitor, then this would remain with Lord Van Houten. And Hugh just nods and he says, 
truly for offworlders, you play the the game of the society quite well indeed. These are exciting, exciting times. And if I may, I know I've been somewhat salty about the presence of your other servant, but I'm I'm honored to get to go along on this journey with you. Thank I, I will never forget that you increased my portions so greatly when, when first I entered your service. And I, I just want to express my, my gratitude, both to you and the Lord, but I know I would never say this to him because that would be deeply embarrassing for all involved. But thank you for bringing me into your service. Your service has been repayment enough, and we will continue to rise. And as we do so, so will you. Uh, there are those who will underestimate us in the society, but that is because they see political intrigue as its own form of combat. However... We've come from war zones. We're adjusting to the new rules, but we have not lost yet, for we are still alive. And he just sort of nods and says, Right you are, sir. Good day. I shall go see to the oo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoos. Before you leave, Hugh, I appreciate you all looking into the oo-hoo-hoos, but at the same time I must ask, are you aware of any grumblings among the staff or those of the, shall we say, lower classes against those who are higher ranking. And he pauses to consider this and says, um, well, sir, you you may not be aware, uh, based on where you are from, but, well, and he leans in kind of conspiratorially and says, we've heard reports of the scholar progenium, and the clerking service has attempted to kind of make our own version of that in terms of how clerks are trained here, a very concentrated and very somewhat removed. And again, we're just going off of the stories we've heard from Offworld, and and it all sounds very exciting. So we are unfortunately a little bit cloistered as we, we learn our, our clerking trade. That said, I, I have paid careful attention to the society over time, and there are always rumblings and grumblings, but often that's just People And he sort of like puffs himself up a little bit. He says, people too foolish to understand where where they ought to be in the society, where, where, where they have earned their place in the society, and often just want more than is their due. I was an assistant clerk until you took me into your profession, and if you had not, I would have continued to be an assistant clerk for quite some time, possibly my whole life, unless I earned my way out of it. And they should all understand that. They should all understand their place in our society. So yes, there are rumblings and grumblings of discontents, as always, but again, I, I apologize, I've mostly only heard them when passing through the, the, the town square, although they have seemed to be somewhat more frequent of late, but the king has been ruling for some time, and I suspect with this final celestial season upon us, there is some uncertainty about what the future of Greybridge might look like, which often leads to discontent. We've had a system for some time, but without an heir, well, things get a little bit strange here. Does that help? Yes, Hugh, that helps a great deal. If you could do me a favour and write down a list of any names you know that are attached to rumblings and grumblings, that would be greatly appreciated. I'm afraid I don't know any names. I've just seen and heard people. I, 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 I immediately disregarded them as not worthy of interest, because if they are grumbling about the society, clearly they are not worth knowing. <laughs> that is very brave of you. At the same time, if you should hear any rumblings or grumblings with specific names attached, please report those directly to me. Of course, sir. Will do. Oh, no, but you're Ryan. I just had a, a brain cutaway to Valentine just shooting Hugh Smiggleton in the head. <laughs> <laughs> and then snapping back to just having to listen to this guy be like, I had information that would have been incredibly valuable to you. I just didn't hit save. 
Yeah, he's just realizing that Hugh is less useful as time goes on, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you 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 are fully integrating into the society now, so you don't necessarily <laughs> need a Hugh. You've you've got a Clarence and a Rabute. Yep, and I don't know if we need Hugh on a ship, so you know there's gonna be some adventures <laughs> afterwards. This is Fabius Bile reaching out to all those arch heretics and other dangerous psychopaths out there. There is only one way to truly defeat the Emperor and his pathetic lickspittles, and that is to make sure that they do not unify themselves and their false beliefs and empty gods. They must not join a Patreon. They must never join patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Then our cabal can rise to the heights of brutality and cruelty, we can slay every player character, skin the flesh from their bones, and leave them with no hope remaining. Unless, somehow, people go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. With enough support, perhaps they could stop us. But that will never happen. <laughs> Having dealt with that, you've got that up and going. Atticus, you find your way to Birno, who is very busily giving orders to various people. You can see that he's got some of his staff on site now. They're very clearly under contract. He doesn't have a standing staff, but he's kind of got some minions on on site. They're a little, little rough and tumble, but seem to be... Similar to his outfit, they're wearing suits that are just a little worn. You know, they're shiny on the elbows, a little frayed on the edges, but they're all acting with utmost professionalism. The, a bit of the vibe you get walking up is, oh, this is their shot. Like, if this goes really well, then this could really lift the the profile of, of all involved. Um, but upon one of them nodding to you, Birno does one of those, you know, snap fingers, foot over foot, spin turns, uh, bows low and says, well, hey, my lord, welcome, welcome. All right, we're just in the middle of getting some of those preparations going, but you look like a man on a mission. How can I help you? I'm here to uh, oversee the uh, party planning. I have some new information that you will need to take into consideration for tomorrow evening. Including twitch of the eye, but he maintains an otherwise pure poker face. Oh. New information, you say? New things I'll have to incorporate into the party we're planning for tomorrow? Sounds great. What are we looking at? Tomorrow, uh, His Majesty uh, King Fitzgerald will uh, conduct a hunt in the Garden Maze. A hunt? All right, great. What are we we talking? Ehrlich? You want something bigger, smaller? What are you thinking? Uh, A personal people as uh, that he uh, uh, that he will choose based on new information. And like immediately Birno and his staff begin to slowly back away. Be like, okay, well, that, that's great. That's good to know. We're going to go, I think, then. No, you're not. Okay, well, I got to tell you, this guy has a foul mouth. And this guy, yeah, he said some mean things about the society. As for me, well, I'm just a humble rattling entertainer. So please don't consider me for the hunt. But you want to take one of these two guys. And they're both just looking in, in like 
horror. And Atticus the other is just three are just nodding. Wave his hand to just dismiss the notion entirely. Like, no, 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 not uh, anyone uh, uh, such as yourselves. Uh, bigger fish, let's say. Ah, well, in that case, I'm very glad to be a small fish. All right, well, that's great then. Hey, if it's not any of our asses in the fire, that sounds just fine, chum. So, you're going to have someone in the maze. So, I assume you want us to lock off the extra exits, make sure it's nice and safe in there. Uh, you want me to, I don't know, set up some traps in there to make sure that the king gets a nice clean kill? Uh, no, no. Let's uh, uh leave uh, uh, the king to do what I assume is one of the things he does best. Right you are, my lord, will do. All right, so, we've got... Most dangerous game being hunted in a maze. Sounds great. Sounds fun. Sounds exciting. Sounds a little bit weird. Perhaps something to uh, capture it for onlookers and things like that. All right. Yeah, we can get uh, we'll get a, a bunch of skulls just circling around there. We can repurpose some of the ones from the Great Hunt yesterday. They're just getting uh, their their recordings wiped right now. So once those are fresh, once we got some blank tapes, we'll be good to go. All right. That's great. So we got the hunt going on over there. Now listen. You talked about revitalization. You talked about rising so we are currently working and i think you're gonna love this i think you're gonna hear this and you're gonna go ah yeah that's it that's it that's that's exactly what i want we are working on a giant sun made out of uh it's called paper mache so what we do is we take a bunch of paper and we just we get it all sticky wet we just stretch it across a frame and this giant sun is just gonna go right behind that building it's gonna go right behind that mansion slowly over time and you're gonna look up and oh what's rising what's rising it's the sun you know and and then the sun what? rises. Right, and then what happens then? Oh, well, it's going to rise over the course of the entire party, right? It's going to rise and rise and rise and rise and rise. And everyone's going to be like, wow, that's pretty good sun. That's a pretty good thing. That's the, Look at that. Look at that sun go. And then at the end of the party, you're going to love this. At the end of the party, we rotate it. Because people didn't know it could rotate. We rotate it. <laughs> Boom. Your fucking face. As wide <laughs> as the mansion. Painted on the back of the sun. And then everyone goes, oh, oh. Oh, oh, it's not just the sun. It's Lord Van Houten rising. And then Duke wicks up his pants. They're just going to fly off. They're just going to fly right off because he's going to be so impressed and so turned on by this rising sun. He's going to run over. He's going to drop to one knee. He's going to propose to you right there. Pipe, paper, mache. So it's going to be a slow-moving ball of wet paper that has my face on it. It will have dried. It will have dried, I hope. It's a little bit tight. It might be a little sticky. It might be a sticky face. A sticky uh, Giant no. yellow version of your face, but no, still I, recognizable. No, you got look, you got you I, got, I got those clear like features. That. You got those. I mean, you're a little wrapped up right now. You're a little burned and scratched and stuff. But like, we, we can do the glasses. We can do the the button shops. That's enough. I no different idea. And he just turns. He's like, okay, go tell Gary to stop ripping all those pages out of those books. And like one just runs off uh, towards the library on the side of Bell and Song Manor. He says, We're okay. going to need uh, uh, refreshments, uh, I suppose, and, uh, you know, food for everyone who will be coming through the house to guess the value of uh, various things in the Bell and Song estate. It's going to be my dowry. Oh, oh, we so we're doing like an antique roadshow well. situation. That's a local tradition here. I All don't right, know what do that, that is, but yes, we can do that. That, that is what. We will be doing. Yeah, we can yes. do that. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. Um, Those are my requirements for so you. So you just want food and drinks, maze and, and you want people to go through your house and, and talk about how much your stuff is worth, and you want the king to shoot someone in a maze. Yes, and I have a, uh, I have a poem I will be uh, reading tomorrow right, night show as well. Art. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, yeah, you know that is my art. 
Look, I um, I appreciate that you're trying to go a different way with all this, and 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 you know I, I respect it. It's it's your party. All I'm saying is a poem read from inside a giant sun with your face on it would be pretty important. We could build a movable mouth, I, and the sun could say the poem with you. I'm to wear the wet. No, you'd be paper inside ball. it. You'd be inside it. There'd be like a little hole, and we'd be like, "Oh, there's the guy," and then he's inside his own head because it's because you'd be your own thoughts inside your head. No. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. I respect it. I respect it. I respect it. That's fine. That's fine. We can do it your way. We'll do it your way. Okay. So we got a poem, but that probably means we also need to make room for everyone else's art. So we can set up a pavilion for that out here. I've already ordered the food and drinks, so that's all good. We're all good on that front. Um. I guess we gotta go put some price stickers on stuff so we get the ooh hoo hoo effect. It's very important you to the be antique receiving road show. The, uh, the valuations from uh, you, Smithington or great. Okay, so do you want any spectacle at all other than the hunting of a person? Uh, if the spectacle is paper mache, no. What and you just see him you take do? his quill pen and just cross off eight different ideas. <laughs> Say, okay. okay. What else do you do? Lots of really great stuff with paper mache. But All right. you know what? Make I'm a, nothing if what, not inventive. What did you cross off? What were the eight things that you just crossed off? <laughs> ah! So, first of all, sun. Sun rises, right? So that'd yeah. be the, the rising of, of That's your house. Born. Yeah. Yep. You know what else rises? Spaceships. So we're going to make you a spaceship and it's going to rise up and other spaceships. We're going to rise up around it. All made I have one that's made of metal. No, no, no. <laughs> Metal's too heavy. Metal's too heavy. Got to be a pair of measures. So they were going to rise up and all the other ones were going to like fly off in other directions until only yours was flying. And then people would be like, right, only he can chart a course for Greybridge. So that was option uh, number two. So that's two. Right. right. You've got six more. Yeah. So I don't know how much you know about agriculture. But if you plant a seed, it grows. Now, we got lucky. One of, one of my crew has worked as a farmer. So he came up with three great options for us for things that grow. You could have had your face on corn. You could have had your face in a tree. Or you could have had your face on a really tall reed. And it would have blown in the wind. It just bounced around. Would have been absolutely, absolutely beautiful. I see. So what what are the next three ideas that you had with okay. paper mache like and my face? Because we were going to create a whole flock of paper mache birds that had puppet wings. So when you pulled strings, all their wings flapped. And they're all going to have your face. Because people should flock to you. Does this... Uh, uh, do these ideas... Work like for other parties you've planned. I'm assuming no one it's has paper ever mache. given me enough money to build paper mache at this scale. But I gotta tell you, in the local bars and taverns where I apply most of my trade, people are fascinated by my little my little things. You know, I just show up when they're deep in their cups, and I'm like, "Hey, you, you look like someone who would enjoy a willow reed." And they go, "What? How'd you make that?" And then I show them I made it out of napkins and beer spill. So you know, it's it, it's impressed a lot of people. Um, in the lower classes here, and I assume the, the upper class will like too. But you know what? It's fine. I know you're not sold on the birds. So, yeah, what's seven and eight? Yeah, all right. So, <laughs> sometimes fish leap out of the water. Oh my God. So, I was going to make a giant fish 
with your face on it, leap over the top of the mansion and land in a pond with the Duke's face on it. We're going to demolish the maze and build a big pond. Well, no, no, don't do that. No, I know now because you want to go shoot a guy. But like we were thinking beforehand. And so what is number eight then? So it used to be these old-timey technology pieces on this planet. For it was way before, you know, we started doing all the space stuff and the hovercrafts. Well, you pump a bunch of helium into something. So we're going to take a bunch of paper mache, and I was going to get all my guys to blow in it until it expanded. And we're going to put a little basket on it, and it's called a balloon. So we're going to have a giant red hot air balloon with your face on it rise <laughs> over the building. And then who should stand up from the basket? Bam! You, doing art. We didn't know what you were going to do. We thought maybe juggling. I, I, I really thought you were a juggler. You got the big arm. Thought it'd be funny to juggle things. But no, you could have done your poem. So big hot air balloon rising up. And we put arrows on either side saying, Hey, Duke Wickstrop, you could be here. But we didn't like right. any of these ideas as much as the sun. Sun, sun was the number one. Sun was the best. So if you didn't like the sun, you're not going to like the rest of them. So those are my eight ideas since you asked. Right. In an alternate well. dimension, <laughs> Eli just like stepped into frame, <laughs> shot this guy and said, all right, I'm taking over because anything is better than that. No, I was going to kill him. He was going to put my face on corn. I hate that guy. Um, uh Atticus will say, uh, uh, just after hearing all of that, just so many uh, terms that he's just never heard of before um, uh, and concepts that like he, he knows nothing about. Uh, but uh, he kind of liked a little bit of what he was hearing of different things. So he'll just say, uh, right, well, you know what, then how about to close up everything? Uh, you do the sun, uh, but it's my face and the Duke's face. We're on it together as like a new rising sun. And we're together. He just like his mind is blown. He holds his hands and he says, my Lord. Incredible. Incredible. And people uh, you're saying people have never seen paper mache oh, before. No one is. It rains so much here that, you know, if you're trying to do it, you're trying to do it in any other weather. You just have a soggy disaster. They just so see like a bunch of raggedy paper hanging off a frame what? like a bunch of fucking twits. What are the guarantees we have that it won't rain tomorrow? The Cloud Why Palace, are you my friend. So quiet. Okay. Cloud Palace flies around. You may have noticed it's been very temperate here. I don't know how long you've been back planet side. The Cloud Palace flies around. It just changes the the temperature altogether. So you know, if you're doing this in winter, fucked. If you're doing this in spring, maybe fucked. Summer, eh, that would have been ideal. Would have really helped us. You know, we're, that's why we're trying to get all the paper mache done now. But fall, you'll be fine. Besides, right. the sun always rises, right? Yes, yes. Uh, the sun always rises. So yeah, this goes around the planets, I think. That will be it then. So great. I got to go tell Gary to start the, the paper macheing back up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good. Great. Uh, if you need anything else for the party planning, you uh, you come to me or you come to Hugh Smiggleton. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds like we got a plan. Sounds like you and me, we're vibing. We're on the same page. We're doing great. Also, if this goes well, please tell your friends. Tell your friends. Beer and all the rattling. Best party planner in town. Better than Venom Blight. Huh? Uh, I will tell them about the job you did. Yes. <laughs> That's all I can hope for. All right. Now, if you excuse me, 
I need to go make a giant sun. And he just runs off. And Atticus, again, not sure if he did a good job. He'll just turn around and mutter to himself, shit, and just <laughs> walk back to the house. Uh, Morgan and Eli, aside from Eli fantasizing about shooting a character he's never met, um, what are you doing in the, the darkness as people struggle to get the power back up and running at your boarding house? If the answer is nothing, we're just hanging tight. That's I, I fine think I, Eli would like to, I, I'd like to do a Medicaid check on Morgan. Sure. I, I think um, she's still in a bad way. And uh, the fact is that Eli doesn't really have any great ideas. This is, he, he, he doesn't he's pretty at a loss what to do next so he needs morgan to not be distracted by her physical ailments gotcha okay so let's do a medicaid check uh, yeah. i'm gonna say difficulty of one there's so much medical shit wired up to morgan at this point and she received such good care from kiros and that crew that this is actually a pretty easy check all things considered okay i'll give you a boost for the medical equipment in the room sorry one sec two difficulty I think I said one. one. Did you say Did one? I say two? She just didn't believe you. She said he said <laughs> one. Oh, you said one. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> she didn't believe it. I really, yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. That's it. Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, two advantages and a failure. So. <laughs> That's rough. I. The the number of fucking blank dice that have oh. been turning up for me. Well, the target well, heals a number of, of wounds <laughs> equal to the number of successes, which is none, and heals amount of strain equals the number of advantage. So I guess it's heal to strain. And then a failure. So, I don't know, give a wound back. <laughs> <laughs> you left a scalpel in her somewhere? Yeah. Um, ow, ow. Your, your hands are bulky and heavy. Stop that. I, I just... There's no one else to help. Just come, come here. Sit next to me. All right. What, what do we do? All we can do right now is wait and rest. Unless you have some way of getting outside and getting Toby back or being useful. With a guard around, it's... Morgan just kind of sighs and leans against him in the bed, like leans against his arm. There, don't hurt yourself thinking too hard. <sighs> Gotta do something about these bombs. I, yes. And we have to find a way up into that palace in the sky at the end of all this. I agree with you. All we can do right now is work with what we have. Which we did. That got us here. Unless you have any other good ideas. Well, not a good idea, but... I mean, Lizardmen helped us, but I don't trust them. We don't know who they are. We don't know of anyone who knows who they are. Yes, exactly. That is how conspiracies work. <laughs> All right, I guess we'll just wait. And then he'll grab paper and write down, uh, we've heard, we've had no evidence of the Eldar's presence. Uh, except for this one mysterious figure who's for some reason helping us. 
And Morgan will write back and her hand writing is all like shitty and shaky and stuff and just writes back and underlines it. Could be. And Eli eats the paper. <laughs> uh, thank you. Meanwhile, back at the Bonsong Manor, um, there is a, not even really a knock at the door so much as the door kind of blows open as Forrest Pollard arrives, Valentine, to speak to you. He, st- where, where do you think you'd be waiting for him? Uh, he would have him brought down to the library where he knows there aren't bugs. Okay, great. So he comes storming down the stairs. Um, he, sort of walks up to you, grabs you by the shirt, just hoists you up, slams you against a wall, and then he crunches the Space Marine helmet into the wall next to you and just says, you'd better start talking really, really fucking quickly and very clearly about what this is and how you got it. Or I'm going to push forward with this other hand through your chest into that wall. Do you understand me? Yes, thank you for coming. It would appear that perhaps your lord is not being entirely honest with you about things he has received, but I'll bring you up to date as swiftly as I can. And he just waits to be let down. The report's over there. I I can show you the evidence. He'll let you down, um, but I'm going to need to check, I think, to see kind of what mood and tone we're setting here. Sure. Valentine, you've talked previously about how you want to kind of be on the level about all this. Yep. You're in a society that runs purely on subterfuge. So how do you want to convince Forrest Pollard you're on the level? I'd say that's probably charm or maybe leadership would be the two I would be most inclined to go with. But you can make an argument for something else if you want. I think charm is fine. Like, he's just trying to be like, this is the deal. It's so obviously self-interested to be like let me walk you through this conspiracy because i would like him to marry your friend and you're my only in that i think it's relatively open and kind of clear why like what he has to gain is definitely clear also after he got threatened with getting murdered yeah yeah this is less about valentine being good at or bad at conveying this uh, as it is about forrest pollard finding (laughs) receiving a space a chaos space marine helmet in the mail and being like what the ever living fuck? So, let's. I mean, theoretically, he got that from the Royal Guard. I didn't try. Uh, to that's what I that. mean by that's the mail. Him. I mean, someone showed up who was like, "Here you go, sir," and he's like, "Huh?" So, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. All right. What's my difficulty? I'm gonna say difficulty of two red. Uh, so we're going against his leadership stat. Okay. You get a setback for uh oh, Space Marine helmet. You get a boost for he asked you to look into this, so it's not unreasonable that you'd have it. And I think you get another boost for asking him to come here. If you were truly trying to pull one over on him, it's a weird strategy to be like, come find me in a place where you can murder me easily. So you've got those things going in your favor. Is there anything else you would want to make a case for? Uh, I know in the scene, Valentine is making an assumption that Forrest Pollard is not aware of the Chaos Space Marine body that has been delivered to the Duke. But the theft has been reported. If he is aware, I'm imagining that would be a boost. But if he isn't, it would stay the same. I don't know. Like it's just Okay, well, let's do a different check tool. before we do this okay. check then. Uh, we'll basically see you're trying to read the situation on his reaction 
Oh, no, what I was saying was, like, Valentine is guessing based on the death threat with the helmet that the Marine doesn't know. Like, he's... Yes. Based on contextual evidence, he's like, nah. Yes, Marine, that is no, your no. assumption. Great. Then we can just call this this die pool yep. where it is. Let's see what happens. Uh, seven advantage. Interesting. So he lets you down, but is, you know, he's got a hand on his sidearm. He's clearly not at ease with you. And it you get the sense that it's very much a, I'm going to hear what you have to say and then either shoot you or not. But he's not, he's still suspicious of you is the, the vibe you're getting. Great. That's healthy. And I'm just going to throw all these boosts forwards to my check to convince him that this case and the evidence that I am presenting is it, real. A uh, lot and of advantage corrupt. to carry forward. So, yeah, good call. So Valentine takes out a file that has been put together by Terseus, walks over to a table and just lays it out. And he's like, I'll walk you through the discoveries that I made over the course of my investigation. We began after our conversation with beginning to look into the Balansong Manor, trying to discover if there was anything untowards at this facility, trying to determine exactly what had occurred. There were two things that took place nearly simultaneously. There was a bomb scare inside the mansion, which occupied Clarence and my lord. Meanwhile, myself and Captain Rawls Vaughn began interrogating the members of the staff, trying to find anyone who was doing something out of the ordinary on those days. Three staff members fled. Two turned out to be petty thievery, those trying to steal something on their way out of the houses. They've been turned over to the authorities, as expected. The third, unfortunately, was killed trying to escape. His name was Brandon Herrera. Due to a lack of time, I sent you a message about this at that instance, I was forced to assume his identity and make my way to a meeting with his contact. He was part of the mechanical team who had originally worked. He's showing the documents, showing mm -hmm. the background, mm -hmm. showing these as he goes. Working on the ships that were used specifically by Lady Balansong in this time. When I made my way into the woods, I made contact with his contact, who it quickly became clear had never met Brandon in person, for he believed that I was Brandon Herrera. I confirmed that Brandon Herrera had been employed to carry out an assassination, that what he had been promised was a, a job, a position with the Voidstain family, which was still being guaranteed at this time, though this fellow clearly wanted to kill me, though he could not overpower me at the time. And I was given a point of contact where I could send on messages. I was hiding out until this was over. The question was raised, which is very interesting, which is, had Brandon caused the second crash, which he had not? It was something beyond what is going on. My theory at this point is there are two conspiracies. I'll continue with evidence for that as we move forwards. Here is the drop point. If we want to reach out, we may be able to make contact with this as it moves forward. At this point, we assumed Voidstain was a part of the whole conspiracy. I don't know if you want me to do this for like 30 minutes, Tom, so I might be able to run you through the top line evidence. <laughs> Admittedly, I think based on how long this arc has been going, I think it's useful. Yay. So we can leave a message as required. The next logical step for us was Voidstain. We assumed that he must have been involved. We also heard through Kiros at the time of the assassination attempt at the field of the Balansong Manor that he had uh, basically thrown aspersions at Voidstain and that there was something inside Voidstain's basement which needed to be looked upon. Knowing that we could not search his manor with himself present, we took Voidstain and took him to Balansong Manor in hopes to interrogate him outside of his normal place. He did seem an unlikely suspect, but there was always a chance that instead of just being an idiot who was being framed, he was a genius who had covered this all up through some kind of normal, I'm an eccentric performance. While we had returned to this manor, we heard the ticking the ticking and tapping that we had originally assumed was a bomb scare coming down to the basement inside this bookcase, and he reaches over and just pushes it aside. We discovered that Space Marine, and he points at the helmet. 
clearly corrupted, insane, and killed by my Lord Van Houten. The helmet was being held in his hand, which is why it was intact. We used the helmet to try to see if there was any open coercion, any open cooperation between the Balansong Manor and this Marine. The plan was to take the body and move it into the hunt as an overall trophy in the hopes of impressing your king on behalf of my lord. Unfortunately, this was the time, as we began to move forwards with our plans, where Captain Rawls Vaughan decided to betray my lord. She had been failing in her attempts to win the Duke's hand. She had been failing in most things, and discovering the body, she stole it. If you are aware that that body was handed over to your king, I'm assuming you weren't based on your reaction, but if you were, and take a look at that body, you will see the uh, very telling collisions of a power fist in combination with the armor and body. There is no question. A very perceptible tightening of the jaw. But no other reaction. That is why the body was stolen and delivered to the Lord by Captain Rawls Vaughan, the rogue traitor, if you will. And at the same time, she stole a collection of heirlooms, which were part of my Lord's baggage, kept locked, kept inside a safe, lost weapons from friends he had lost over the campaign. As you can imagine, he has no need for a power sword himself, what with the fist that had already done its duty so well, they were stolen and undoubtedly lost alongside a carriage. I am pressing full charges that those notes have been filed. It is a devastating loss to my Lord. They were heirlooms of those who have been lost. Anyways, anyways, that is not your concern. Outside of, we remain fully loyal, and those weapons would never have been brought anywhere on this world outside of a locked case. But, while trying to move these things into uh, this this hunt to be able to make a presentation to the king, uh, my lord did reach out to and call in a favour from Lord Kiros, who gave us the a map of the internal hunting grounds, but who also informed us that there had been a hack of his files. Someone had tried to get in and get access to the same tunnels that we were hoping to use. We abandoned that plan, knowing that the wardens would be involved and have access to those tunnels. We assumed there was no reason uh, or effective way for us to move through. These conspirators clearly found a way to do that, which raises questions unto itself. Interestingly enough, because everything is interesting, we found the Voidstain Manor was aflame. I'm going to struggle with some of the overall things. My paperwork from Tesaeus is not entirely perfect, but this is what we have. Voidstain Manor caught fire after we had destroyed the Space Marine and escaped, bringing Voidstain with us after a confrontation. Voidstain pointed out that uh, he has absolutely no liquidated funds. Uh, all of our confirmations proved true. There was no way for him to carry out bribery, the bribery that we had found, which is here, drops a bag of coins. This bribe would have been beyond him, and you can check his records. I believe that to be absolutely true. Returning to his manor after hiding him away, we found it aflame. Uh, made our way downstairs through a side structure that absolutely should have been aflame based on the rest of the fire, but was not. As we made our way downstairs, we discovered uh, a paranoid fantasy of what a, a corrupt or heretical individual would seem. An underground room laid out as though a perfect scene of images, of notes, uh, the kind of case that one would never imagine a clever heretic would ever put together. I have photographs of the scene here. He just drops those out as, hmm. as laid out with the whole thing. Due to the short time that we had available, we believed Voidstain to be innocent. We destroyed. We captured all this evidence that we destroyed this scene so that the conspiracy could not be blamed on an innocent soul. Should you uh, find it convenient, should your king find it convenient, uh, Saka to avoid stain isn't alive. He was not lost in the fire. Uh, his coordinates are here. And he just sends a, like, a photo that was taken of Saka to avoid stain in a ditch with Toby on top of him. He's like, you can collect him at your will. Whatever you should so wish to do, go right ahead. 
We destroyed this scene and moved on. I do know, based on the conversations with the fire crew, that this was arson. This is confirmed to have been a flame that was put in place by some outside force. And this room, which we discovered, had clearly been renovated and laid out in a way that should have caught fire, but with the additions recently of some kind, it was shielded from the flames as though to be set aside. So a fire started, and then the rescuers would most definitively discover this pretty blatantly falsified evidence. The fire was called in by Bobberstein. We know this to be true. And due to these overhead surveillance photos, presents those as well, we are currently aware that there are three snipers put in place on the Voidstain property. They could oversee the house, and they likely could oversee the drop point of dear Brandon Herrera. If he came out of the woods, I do believe he would have been shot. This strongly indicts Lord Bobberstein in participating in this overall conspiracy, and softly indicts Lord Kiros because if he knew what was down there, there's a chance it was an overall mishap. There's a chance otherwise. There was one contact who we identified, and he presents the photo of the guard who was the one who met him. The the information Tresaeus found on that guy's identity. This was the contact Brandon Herrera made. He was an employee at the Voidstain home. We saw him there. We do not know if he died in the fire. We do not know his overall location. We do know Brandon Herrera had gambling debts, and he hands over the name of the bar and the contacts or all that was going on. This is tremendously unsettling, obviously. As we move forward into the hunt, robbed of our own strategy and with this nightmarish thing behind us, that is where we hid Voidstain. We could not afford for him to be killed out of hand. Frankly, I'd rather he be killed by you or sacrificed in some meaningful way. We participated in the hunt when we discovered that there were these strange assassins, rebels of some kind inside the facility. There was a strange observation that I made, which is the first time that one of these counter-hunters was spotting a lord travelling by, they did not fire. But the moment that they saw my lord, they immediately tracked and fired. That was the first one that we were forced to kill. When we went down, we took more of them alive. I costumed myself as one of these rebels, and during a conversation I was forced to have to cover our escape, they did say something interesting as an overall battle cry. Fuck the nobles! Which really stands out. Uh, there's a possibility that this is our second conspiracy, just an immediate pushback against the nobility by those from below. The other possibility is that we have two conspiracies in play, one involving Bobastein, one theoretically involving Kiros at the top level, and then this lower-rung uprising that could be its own thing or could be another lord in play, perhaps disguising themselves by funding this lower-level revolution. I have all of the proof of everything that has been laid out here. This is everything we have discovered. These are the crimes that have been committed that we are aware of. This is what I can present. And he considers this. And he, you can tell he's only been half listening to all this. And then he kind of locks eyes on you and says, The Marine, you say you killed down here. What was on his body? I think Valentine captured some images of that at the time. Uh, a powered armor, similar to yours, but a more archaic make, seemingly put together, stained uh, ochre and red in overall substances. The Marine was extremely gaunt, nowhere near your level of health. Clearly ancient, clearly confused. There were uh, jaws, almost, with, with crude teeth surrounding an orb. I couldn't entirely make it out on one Was there a black obsidian rock, broken, jagged edge, otherwise perfectly smooth? No, my lord, we did not discover anything such as that. 
And he nods and he says, you've done particularly well. And then he just turns and leaves. In the moment, Valentine waits. He's a space marine. He's got super good hearing. He goes up the steps and Valentine looks down at all the evidence and says, Well, it wasn't an execution. This episode of The Valentine Heresy features the voices of players Brian LaPlante, Tyler Hewitt, Laura Hamstra, and Del Borvik, alongside Game Master Tom McGee. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and The Valentine Heresy's artwork was created by Del Borovic at delborovic.com. That's D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ad breaks use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All of their music is available at freemusicarchive.org. For all things Dum Dums and Dice, including merchandise and how to join our Patreon, you can visit dumdumdice.com or find us on social media at dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator and death to all the heretics. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christopher Little, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Flynn1138, Alorain Okapi, Schrodinger's Pepper, Guy Edwards, Madre de Gatos, Lady Maiden, Garbo Ape, Locke, Sam Schaefer, Waffle Marine, Dagger Rain, Rob L, Dia De Los Hoodless, Squishy Werewolf, Remy, Funky Head, Nomad, the Wise Paladin of the Badlands, Accent Therapeutic Services in Florence, Kentucky, Lale, Shulzari, Gus Schreider, The Long Family, Jordan Oliver, Richard Wright, Brittany Fenwick, Alex Parr, Old Man Mojo, Dragonfly, The Body Barrelers, Megan Werner, A Man Out of Time, Curtis at FingertechRobotics.com, and Jill and Noel LaPlante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Forgive me, Father. For I have sinned. It's been six months. Since my last confession. What would you like to confess today? I have decades of failings. I could recap here. Today, I want to confess the worst thing I've ever done. Uh, okay. Uh, lots to unpack here. I can be kind of a crap husband. I took eight years of my life and lit it on fire in a matter of five hours. So I did what any self-respecting father would do. I am. <laughs> Lightly dosed his Gatorade with a powerful laxative. And I guess sorry for making out in the confessional. Since confession is about talking to God, I felt he had a right to know what you've done. What I've done? What did I do? Are you kidding? Do you love Emily? What the hell kind of question is that? Well, you're not going to absolve me? That's the whole point. Please leave the sacrament to the professional. Where do you get off talking to me like this? <clears throat> Excuse me? What the f who is there? Forgive Me, a comedy podcast from Rogue Dialogue.